Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Bitch Slap. I'm Rachel Fisher. I'm Desi Jadikin. And this is Melrose Place Season 2, Episode 18 arousing suspicion Mm, arousing suspicion i'm getting aroused (laughs) you know who's not getting aroused anymore is michael Mm. michael michael gets in trouble this episode yes we open in jane's kitchen she's wearing suspenders with a like she's wearing like Slacks with suspenders over a brown, tight, lacy, short sleeve top. Yeah. It's a look. Mm. And Michael walks in. He's got a cane now. He's graduated to cane. Yes. And he does, he does oh, Jane, I don't want your help. Mm. I, I, I can do this on my own. And he's like, I might even take the bus to work. None of us spot that for two seconds. No, because she's like, let me drive you to work because he's going back to the hospital. Michael's doing that thing where he's acting like he's going to do all this stuff to not be trouble, knowing perfectly well that Jane will never allow it. Yeah, because she's too <laughs> uh, she's too wound tight. Yeah, and he, he can safely offer these things knowing she'll say no. He's like, this is a new me, Jane. I'm a new man. He's got a second chance at life. And he's going to take it. And he's going to um, not be an asshole. It's like, this time I'm not going to get caught. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it is. Fresh start, and I'm going to do things differently this time. Right. Not make out in the parking lot where Allison sees me, first of all. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do better. I'm going to, I'm not going to be better. I'm going to do better at not getting caught. Exactly. Reed is saying goodbye to Joe because he wants to go live on a boat. Okay. Reed's like packing up his shit. He's moving out of her apartment. Yeah. He's going to live on the boat now, which is like, so I guess your relationship's over because no one's driving out to Marina Del Rey constantly. (laughs) Yeah. You're lucky you're on Melrose Place because these are the only idiots. Absolutely. Driving out there for a relationship. Because we know he doesn't have a car. No. And we don't even know this boat situation either. It's it's still it's not very clear. Weird. It's unclear. Uh also hasn't he been with Joe the whole time he's been there? Like was he going out during the day and making connections? Suddenly he just is a captain on a sh- on a boat. Yeah, I have no idea. So Amanda stops by because Joe needs to renew her lease 
And she also wants her to know she's increased the rent. Because once again, Amanda does not have a management company. She just handles all this stuff in person. <laughs> right. Um, when Amanda leaves, Joe is bitching to read about what bullshit it is that Amanda's increasing the rent. She's like, she doesn't need my 30 bucks. She's fucking wealthy. And Reed's little ears perk up. He, <laughs> that's what I wrote. <laughs> you did. It's exactly what I wrote. Reed's ears perk up when he hears that Amanda's a wealthy woman. He's like, mm. she's rich, huh? Oh. Mm. Okay, uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, Reed r- runs into the courtyard where Amanda is walking and he sees her drop all of her files. So this is a perfect opportunity for him to swoop in and make conversation with her. And all of this is so obvious to me that it's crazy. First of all, even though Amanda ended up making the smart decision in the end, just the fact that she went along with this for as long as she did is crazy to me. It would never happen. He is obviously a scam artist. It is just so obvious. He starts telling Amanda how he has a boat. Yeah. And he has a great investment opportunity. He's like, I'm just trying to find people who want to get 20% back on their investment, which is an insane amount of money, by the way. Right. And should be instant scam alert. Right. For (laughs) For anyone. For this guy you just met who rolled out of Joe's bed. Just the fact that he's telling you this in a little um, interaction in the courtyard is wild. Yeah. Because it's very unnatural how it all comes out. Yeah. And he's buttering her up, talking about, oh, you're a, I can see you're a very successful woman. You got a briefcase, you got a suit on. And she's like, most people don't notice my uh, business acumen. Like, <laughs> I was just like, do they not? Like, Amanda? Um, he's telling her he wants to open a charter service. He just needs an investor. And she's like, hmm, 20% of my investment. I'm interested. She's like, I'll meet you at the marina at 6.30. Really? Because when do you get out of D&D? <laughs> I guess like- I, the, only, the only plausible thing is that, oh, she lives in marina. Oh, she doesn't live there anymore. No, she, she lives, lives in, in fucking Mel- Melrose Place. What, so she's going to go the opposite way of what she needs to. Yeah. Maybe she just wants to see the marina again. Yeah, she misses it. Yeah, so she sets up a meeting that night. That night. Why? Wouldn't you be like, send me your proposal and I'll look it over. Alone on the docks with this guy you just met, that Joe basically just met. That's clearly a scammer. Like <laughs> this is this is not a serious person. This is not a business person. No, it's it's crazy. At Escapade magazine, Celia needs to needs a place to stay mm. because her house is being fumigated and Billy immediately offers up his bedroom in his apartment that he shares with Allison. And he's like, yeah, there's plenty of space. Allison will be fine with it. You can stay in my room and I'll stay with Allison. <laughs> but it's like, okay, that answers a question we've all wondered. He's still sleeping in his own room. <laughs> right. Why? So he's going to... He's giving her his room and he's like, I'll sleep with Allison. It's like, so you're not every night sleeping with Allison? That's so weird to me. Why haven't they turned his bedroom into like a guest bedroom or a office? An office. Because they're always working on that fucking little dining room table. Yeah. Why not turn that into an office? Both it's perfect. Of, both of them are business people. It's so stupid. With office jobs. 
They both need space because they're always on that little dining room table doing work. That like TV tray table. Yes. So (laughs) rickety. Um, And she's like, great. Doesn't even ask his girlfriend if it's okay if his coworker. A woman. A woman stays with them for three days. I mean, I guess it's better than another guy, but Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, we have plenty of space. But you would ask her still. Sorry. Like, yeah. Also, does Cecilia have no friends? I would still be pissed. I'd be like, well, now I have to say yes, otherwise I'm a bitch. Oh, I'd be furious. <laughs> I would be so mad. I'd be, I'd be so, so mad. mad that I wouldn't even feel guilty saying no, because I'd be like, she shouldn't have even accepted that offer. No. Um, and then she announces that she's going to bring all of her organic food over. So we know she's not only going to come, but she's going to be an annoying guest. Right. She's and- like, you're, it's like, no, they're doing you a favor. You shut up. And eat their shitty food. <laughs> eat the peanut butter with Allison's uh, post-it note on it. Yes. Um, that's a deep cut from season one. <laughs> Michael is cooking dinner and drinking wine when Jane arrives and he gets full Italian. It's a Mancini restaurante. He does the accent and she's like, oh, veal piccata. Veal piccata. The way she says it is very weird, too. Oh, veal piccata. It's like she just said it for the first time during the um, taping. Yeah. <laughs> she never <laughs> practiced the line. Veal? Veal? Veal piccata? <laughs> I, like don't, so weird. I don't even buy that Jane Mancini eats veal. It's, a, it's an interesting dish for Michael to make because that's kind of a more complicated dish. And chicken piccata, I would say, is bigger in the 90s. Because mm. veal started becoming a little taboo. Yes. Chicken and be- chicken was it. Chicken was popping. Chicken piccata was popping up on every Italian menu back we then. We loved a pounded chicken breast in the 90s. <laughs> I pounded a chicken breast today. I like a pounded chicken breast. I do too. Period. I like but it. it definitely popped off in the 90s. Mm, yeah. People were trying not to eat as much red meat. Or veal specifically. Veal specifically. Which is good. Yes. And... Michael's like, Jane, whatever I can do to win back your trust. And she says, oh, Michael, I'm starting to forgive you a little more every day. What the fuck, Jane? Just because he made cheesy eggs a few times. And she kisses him. They kiss. She kisses him. They kiss romantically. And hug. I... I can't believe Jane. She's so dumb. I'm stunned. It's like she's like her and Joe are really trying to see who could be dumber right now. Well, also Amanda, because yeah. the next scene is at the marina in the dark. And Amanda is asks Reed, she goes, wait a minute. <laughs> How do you run a business on a boat that you don't even own? Like she's just learned this right now. Yeah. She's just discovered, oh, this guy doesn't actually own a boat. No. Wouldn't you be pissed? I'd be like, bye. I drove all the way to the marina for this. That's on me. Yeah. I'm an idiot. And he's like, well, I actually need the money so I can buy the boat. And I also need the money so I can hire a staff for the boat. Yeah. He's got a lot of things he needs to do. He needs to upgrade the electrical. Yeah. And then Amanda starts flexing. She's like, oh yeah, well I'm a boat girl, and she's like, how about the uh, what's the what's the turbo level in your engines? Yeah, how many knots can you go? <laughs> she's like, 
<laughs> using all these boat terminologies. And he's panicked. Yeah, because she knows about boats. She's like, my father owned a yacht at this very marina. And we I was went raised on a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> boats are a passion of mine. Yeah. And then that's when Reed pivots and starts getting creepy. And well, he's, a, he's already been creepy, but now he's creepy and flirty. What was he doing here? This was crazy. Because I was like, by... Like she, Amanda would immediately be out and telling Joe. Oh my I god! Think. Because even though Amanda's a bitch, she still does adhere to a code with women, even even loosely. But she still does have that ethical stance. Well, because it's the best of both worlds. She can look like a good person and stick it to Joe a little bit. A bit that her boyfriend's a creep. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I do believe. No questions. It, you would expect Amanda to immediately be like, "Uh, your boyfriend came on to me," because especially because she always gets um, accused of stealing them. Yeah, this was here's the, here's like a great example of what I'm talking about. They're trying to make him look subtly creepy, but it's just over the top creepy where no one would mistake what was happening in that situation. Yeah. Like it's not a situation where Amanda's like, I felt like he was coming on to me, but I can't be a hundred percent sure because he was literally fucking inches away from her face. And he was saying stuff like, do I scare you? It was crazy. Like no one, no one would not know. Nobody, nobody would not be alarmed by somebody they just met saying, do I scare you? You afraid of me? You afraid of me? And he's like all looking sexy at her or right. trying to. And she's she's finally getting weirded out by him. And and then and then it doesn't even end though. Even though she's weirded out, he's like, You want to go for a ride on my boat? And she's like, Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into the deep waters where you can toss my body off into the <laughs> With an anchor tied around it. Like, yeah. Would you go on a boat ride with someone who just creeped you out? Never. That's the ever. last place I'd go with them. That's like, what is she doing? Because I would be like, he's going to, he thinks I'm going to tell. Right. And be scared. Yeah. I would not go off with Like him. this guy who I just clocked as a scammer is now creepily hitting on me and wants to get me out into the middle of the ocean. I mean, I guess Amanda is the type of woman who is kind of like, yeah, you don't scare me. I'll fucking go out there with you. Yeah. Like there is a little bit of that. That's how big her ego is that she's like, I'm going to show him. Yeah. I'm not scared. And she still does want to stick it to Joe because Amanda gets on the boat. He fires it up, gets that motor revving and Joe arrives unannounced and she suddenly wants to be a boat bitch. She wants to go on the boat and she's like, Reed. And she's calling out to him from the dock and he can't hear because he just turned the motor on. And Amanda's like throwing the ropes on the boat. Yeah. And he's like, come up here with me, Amanda. He like says her name really loud. Yeah. So Joe's like, (gasps) he's on the boat with Amanda. (laughs) Once again. It was very funny to watch Joe roll up and then Because we don't know what she's doing. Yeah. there, There wasn't like a plan for her to... Well, would you drive all the way to Marina Del Rey without a plan? I'm I wouldn't sorry, drive would all not. the way there with a plan. <laughs> I, I would cancel the plan. <laughs> no, it's crazy. The next morning, Allison has to share the bathroom with Celia. Here's our sitcom storyline. Once again, it's, no one cares. It's the Campbells. No, it's the fucking Campbells. <laughs> no one gives a shit. 
Allison's annoyed. Billy, it's the morning and Billy's eating chips on the couch. I can't make fun of him for that. It is like <laughs> it is like 7.30 a.m. and he is on the couch eating a bag of nacho cheesier Doritos <laughs> in his underwear. Uh, and fucking Allison is furious. She's so mad. And this this would make me really mad though. She realizes that Celia drank her orange juice and I'm like, well, that's annoying. But then it got even worse when Allison mentions, I, I squeezed that orange juice myself for 20 minutes last 20, night. That My freshly squeezed orange juice is gone. Billy. <laughs> Just like, it is irritating. But I was like, Allison, like I was shocked that she, she did that, that the night before. Yeah, just picturing um, her sitting there for 20 minutes, <laughs> then some bitch just chugged it down in two <laughs> seconds, probably. So mad. Um, I did that with fava beans once. <gasps> oh my God. At someone else's house. Their mom had shelled all these fava that beans. That takes forever. Yeah. I was really high. But I was like, mmm, <laughs> fava beans. That's such a you high food to eat. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. I uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was a kid. I was a kid and I was selfish, Yeah, but I do, I feel like, um, you know, Allison had every right to be annoyed. I would be annoyed if I had, if I had, um, done something like that. Well, Cecilia is like this inexplicable guest who takes over and thinks she has, she's like not accommodating to the, the, are grateful. No. Cause she also gets in the shower before Allison. She's like, Oh, you don't mind. Do you? And remember when she asked to Billy is like offered the place and she's like, you guys aren't moaners, are you? Yeah, she's already like uh, trying to overstep. It's like, just don't stay here then. Go to a hotel, bitch. Yeah. You have a job. Exactly. You can afford a hotel for three days. Um, Yeah, Allison's Allison's rightfully annoyed, but Billy's just happy that their article's going great. These fucking articles. (laughs) (laughs) So sick of his writing career. (laughs) I know. Amanda runs into Joe in the courtyard and Joe's like, here, Amanda, it's my lease. Now stay the hell out of my life. Yeah. And Amanda's like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, Joe. Yeah. And Joe's like, I saw you on the boat with Reed. <laughs> There's something really funny when Joe's indignant. Yeah. <laughs> she almost sounds drunk. She kind of does. Yeah. And... Joe does get Amanda here, though. I mean, she says the thing that everyone says about Amanda and should say, remind her to her face frequently, which is that, Amanda, you have a habit of going after other people's boyfriends. Right. Like, she, that, that, that is something that's reasonable to remind her about because yeah. like, that's a pattern with she her. She lays the law down. Don't yeah. go after Reed. And... <laughs> and Amanda's like, uh, I don't want your weird boyfriend. Yeah, okay. Starting now. <laughs> you can you can have him. Jake sees the commotion after Joe leaves and he comes over to Amanda and he's like, Well, what was that about? And Amanda's like, oh, just Joe's paranoia. Yeah. And then she tells about how Reed pro- had this business proposal for her. And Jake is like, you stay away from Amanda. He's an ex-con. I like how Jake has all these like prejudices against ex-cons because I think he's been accused of that. He wasn't. He is an ex-con. I know, but it's like 
it's like he always gets called out on that. So he's super sensitive and he goes overboard not looking like a con guy, like, or not looking like he's taking people's money or anything. Like, yes. uh, But he's right. I mean, the thing is, he's right about Reed. Because it's not, it's not that Reed's an ex con. That's not what makes him a bad guy. It's that look at him. Look at his behavior. He's shady. He's shady. And the ex-con adds to the shadiness. Well, because it's not like, oh, he got railroaded in some situation or he made a mistake when he, whatever, he made a mistake. It's not that. It's like, this guy is shady. Well, and if we remember when he tells the story about how he became an ex-con, it's also him denying any uh, responsibility. He yeah. got he got tied into something that wasn't his fault. He's completely innocent. Yeah, so that makes it even shadier. Yeah, he didn't even. He was very vague about the whole thing too. Um, so Amanda is like, "Well, I just I just went there for a business proposal, and he creeped me out. So don't worry, I'm not interested in him or his business." Yeah, good. Just you just took a midnight ride with him <laughs> into the middle of the ocean. Finally, it's Matt. Matt's back, and he's looking for a table. I don't, we don't know where he is. What restaurant is this where you got to find your own table? And you're holding a tray like you're in a cafeteria. I'm sorry. He's he's acting like he's at a Chipotle, but it looks like a bistro, like a fancy bistro, right? Because there's little tables and there's like garden area. It's like a garden area. And I was like, this is a nice uh, hospital cafeteria. You know what I guess it kind of is like? Except the alcove, they do seat you. No, it was it was odd. It just seemed like the kind of place where you would get seated by someone. No, and he's literally holding a cafeteria tray. Right, it doesn't match. Uh, they didn't know what they were going for. They only had this location they could film at, but they needed this uh, meet-cute moment to yes. happen. So he's looking at a table. He snags the same table as this other guy. And they agree to eat lunch together. And this is where we meet Jeffrey, who is visiting from Long Beach where he works. Yes. But he's very cagey right. about what it is he does. And so Matt, he asks Matt, you tell me. Yeah. Finally, someone's asking Matt, tell me about yourself, Matt. And Matt is only too happy to fill the hour talking about himself because no one has ever asked right. a question of Matt. <laughs> he tells him that he's a social worker and a professional doormat. He works at the hospital. Yeah. Where the, and he's like, oh, you're so lucky. This place is great. Yeah, and he just rambles on he just goes on and this guy lets him and there's some real sparks happening there's kind of a way they filmed relationship like gay relationships back then where they don't say anything but there's eye stuff happening the acting (sighs) it's just very funny to me because they always really focus in on that like it's like are you gay are you gay like well well this 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 guy this guy he has an arc this this character Jeffrey yes. he has an arc and it is such a product of its time because we see a lot of explicit for network television sex scenes and making out scenes right. with every other character on the show because they're heterosexual but with Matt we only ever get to see them hug 
Yes. There's never a kiss because you weren't allowed to have gay people, two guys kissing yeah. on TV in 94. And even just showing this relationship yeah. without the sex was a big deal. How sad is it? Yeah, very But sad. yeah, at the time, it is this, this whole arc is such a product of its time for sure. Um, more, on, more on them later because we're at the hospital and Michael Mancini is walking around on his cane, popping pills like he's Dr. Gregory House. And he's taking pills and trying to wash them down with a water fountain, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> which is like not the way you're supposed to do you it. You can't get a big enough gulp at the no, water fountain. And like the pill will fall out or it sticks. Mm. But, but he's smiling. Because Sydney shows up and she's like, hi, Michael. She's like, I have my court date coming up. Will you, I, need, I need your support. She wants him to come to her court date. I don't know what she's thinking. And he laughs and says no. And then she, she's like, but Michael, you owe me. He's like, I've done more than enough for you. We're even. We're even, <laughs> Sid. And Sydney says, oh, yeah? Well, I'll tell Jane everything. I'll tell her that... I'll tell her I'm a prostitute, and I'll tell her about the tape. And uh, Michael says, oh, yeah? Well, I'll tell the cops that you graduated from whore to pimp, <laughs> and they won't like that at your court hearing. Uh, it's called pandering, Sid. And she's like, I love him going in the courtroom and giving that information. <laughs> oh, Your Honor, I have some uh, pertinent information yeah. to, to this woman over here. Like it's a wedding where he's yeah. like, I have some information. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like to know that uh, just the uh, just last weekend, yeah, I hired her. Well, you know, you know. of course, I have uh, immunity, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, come to my attention. She's still uh, soliciting. Not only that, but she's procuring the clients and acting as a sort of a uh, madam, <laughs> as it will. were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she pulls a. Glenn Close and says, you can't ignore me, Michael. Can't just kick me out of your life. She, she, He's like, I just did, Sid. Yeah, I just, I just did. did. <laughs> <laughs> There's something endlessly funny to me about how easily he dismisses Sydney throughout the show. Like she's just never stops being desperate for his approval. And it's like, he's always like, he has no trouble she, just fucking destroying her. She keeps going back to him and keeps going back to him and she gets owned by him every single time. And everything is so transactional. Like he will never love you, Sydney. Oh, he's always using her for something. And as and soon as he done, gets it, that's it. He's done. He's done. Let's take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Back at the uh, restaurant where Matt was having lunch, he's still talking to Jeffrey. He's still talking about himself. And he's still talking about himself. Any other person, this would be unacceptable. But yeah. Matt really has no choice because Jeffrey's not given up anything. Right. And Matt's just like, when we go back to him, it's like, he's like, but what I really want to do is get back one-on-one working with the community. <laughs> he's still continuing this social work conversation. And we let him have it because yeah. he never gets to have this kind of talk with someone where, where it's about him. And especially potential romantic partner. Mm. And it's like still like unclear, right? Because Jeffrey is holding everything very close to the vest. Like we don't know what's going on with him. Right. But they get a, I guess, first real date. They set up a, a, a date with each other. Right. And Jeffrey's a little sus. Because yeah. he's like, I don't have my phone set up yet. Because what happens is they agreed. He and Jeffrey invites Matt to dinner at his place. Yeah. And Matt hands Jeffrey his business card. And Jeffrey's like, I'll call you. And Matt asks, like, should, do you have, like, can I get your phone number in case I need to call you or whatever? Um, and Jeffrey's like, oh, my phone, it's not set up yet. But this is also after he refused to say anything about his job. Yeah. He's and like, definitely suspicious. And, um, but like, not in the same way Reed is. No, no, no. He's just cagey, and it's definitely something that you you want to look into first before dismissing as like, okay, this guy's bad news. Right. We're just not sure what's going on. Yeah. There's there's some reason why he he doesn't want to give out his phone number, but it's almost like is he famous? Right. Like I I couldn't remember exactly. I, I mean, I remembered very quickly, but it was like, does he have some job where he can't... Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't remember um, exactly what it was. Yeah. We'll find out later. On the boat, Joe is there with her weird vest. It has, like, faces <laughs> on it. it Joe has, like, has some bad fashion She's got lately. Yeah, it's not good. She needs to go back to the black jeans and black turtleneck. Just wear that. That's her uniform. Or the off-the-shoulder black... Yeah. Stretch tops. No, she had like a little crop. It wasn't quite a bolero jacket, but something like last episode that was just hideous. It just hit her at the exact wrong part of her body. This vest is really bad. It's like a giant blue and white vest with faces on it. It's like Jane is bringing this shit home, (laughs) (laughs) giving it out to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like rejects from K-Beacon. Yes. So... She confronts Reed about Amanda, and he's like, it's just business. And he's, she's like, yeah, but you know I hate her. Why are you working with her? And he's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know you really hated her. I just saw it as an opportunity, and I went for it. And then she tells him that she's mad. Why didn't you ask me to, if I wanted to invest? It's like, Joe, you don't have that kind of money. And she, another guy who doesn't want to take her money, because Reed is like, 
for once didn't want to take her money, right? Like, uh, but which I don't a hundred percent buy, but he's not going to do it immediately. He's first. Not, he's going to scam some other people. He's got to get her complete trust, and she's mad about this, so she leaves. When Allison returns home, Billy's not there. He left a note. Then him and Celia went to Shooters, but they left their article for her to read. <laughs> right when she gets home from work, she just wants to kick off her her Easy Spirit pumps. Yeah, sit on the couch with her. Bluebell ice cream. No, she's got homework. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They're like, read our article. We wrote, worked really hard on it. Give us your notes and edits. It's like, that's a fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, seriously. You need to pay me for that. Sydney shows up at Jane's and she's looking for Michael. And Jane's like, oh, he's working the night shift at the hospital. And Sydney's like, look, I need to talk to you. About Michael. Yeah. Jane lets her in. Jane lets her in. And she's like, gets real tearful. And she's like, you think he's changed, but he hasn't. This is all an act. He just wants to get you back with him. He's he's pretending that he's this good guy now. And Jane's like, Sydney, what are you talking about? And that's when Sydney confesses that she had been working as a sex worker and here's how you know that Sydney is related to Jane. I know exactly what you're going to say. Sydney tells Jane, I was so depressed. Okay, what do you think happened here? In their childhood? No. <laughs> did, did Laura Layton intentionally say it that way? I don't know. Because Jane so clearly always says words that way that began with D-E. Yeah. And Laura Layton... Layton has never said it before. This is like the first time I, it stood out to me because she literally is like, I was depressed. Like, it sounds like our imitation of Jane saying one of those words. Like it, it was so weird. It totally stuck out. And I want to know everything about this. Like, was this just a knee jerk reaction because she has so many scenes with Jane and she just, she sa- started saying, things she that started way. saying things that way. Was it a slight dig at her at the act at Josie Bissett, the actress? Like, oh, I'm gonna. That's I what I. Depressed. That's what I'm wondering. There's some motivation here, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's sinister. No, because it could have been an inside joke. It could have been like, let's see if she breaks when you say that, or or let's see if if other people on set break when I say it like yeah, this. Like and- every, everyone else knows Josie Bazette says words like that. This is why I need to be like an entertainment reporter because I would literally interview Josie Bissette and go, okay, why did you say things D? <laughs> Depressed designs. Like, what is that? Did you notice that you say it weird? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I know. need to know. Like, I know. I just want to know. And it is such a, it's just such a big part of Jane. No, it was such a standout moment like, when she said depressed that like, I just can't imagine it wasn't intentional. Did that did that affectation come from a voice and speech acting class that she took one time where you really learned about like diction and she yes. it over enunciates? Well, it's also one of those things where is it is it regional? Yeah. Like is she from some weird small town in Canada? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Is it a Canadian thing? I don't think it is. I don't think she is Canadian. Um, But but is it a town that's like on the border of Canada? Yeah. I mean, because people do say words 
differently. differently in different parts of the country. And you hear it sometimes and you're like, where the hell are you from? Like, or whatever. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, clearly we say things wrong because we get emails all the time. Right. But we say things wrong because we're uneducated. You know? <laughs> like, we don't know how to say a town name. Yeah. Yeah. This is like her, this is the way she speaks. Like she's she's not saying the words wrong technically. She just says says them in an interesting way. It's an interesting way, but it's very. It, it, you're right. It's very enunciation related. It's, it seems that way. Yeah. Like she took some voiceover class uh, or something. Some speech class. Yeah. I don't know. But yes, when Sydney did that, it I was very it. intentional. So then Sydney tells Jane that Michael knew that she was a sex worker and that he used it to blackmail her into doing something really horrible. And this is when she just completely breaks down. And she admits to Jane that Michael made her arrange the date with with Robert. Robert. Yes. And set the whole thing up. And Jane is disgusted. She is like... It's like a mix... It's not even shock. It's just disgust. And she immediately is on Sydney's side. Like she comforts yeah. Sydney. Yeah. It's not like season one where Allison first tells Jane that she saw Michael kissing Kimberly in the parking lot because I, back then that would have been shocking because we hadn't seen that beha- any, any bad behavior from Michael before. Yes. And cl- Sydney is clearly distraught too. She is distraught about it. She's upset. And Jane is like, Jane is vibing with Sydney's distress over Michael, like that he always brings her back in and he always gets, he always pulls her, manages to pull her back in. She's relating to it. Yeah. And she also feels duped by him in this moment. Right, because she's like, he does the same thing to me. And they hug and they cry together. And, and he did the same thing to her, like literally just did it to he her. He just did it yeah, to her. So, um, like he continuously does it to Sydney because she keeps c- crying and then running back to him. Well, he truly, I think, cares about Jane yeah. as much as he can. In his capacity. And he wants Jane, I think, to like and respect him. But he and he doesn't care about Sydney at all. Like he literally hates Sydney. Yeah, that's how we first meet Sydney. He is he's like ugh. Like he's Sydney. so irritated by her. He'll fuck her, but that's it. And he's never been kind to Sydney. No, he's always mean to her. Not even when they were fucking each other. No, he's always like annoyed or get out of here. Yeah. So Jane hugs Sydney and tells her she's sorry. The next morning, Amanda wakes up next to Jake. And he's been up for a few hours because he's bothered about Reed. Something's he's Jake is like the he's like something's off about this guy. And I want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. He's the only one who wants to get to the bottom of this. It's bizarre. Because Amanda knows he's a creep by this point, but she doesn't care anymore. She's done. She's like, well, it's not affecting me because I said no to his business proposal. And as long as Joe's paying her rent, who cares? What do I care? Right. So He's says he's bothered about Reed and Amanda's like, well, I didn't do the business deal with him and I'm not interested in him. And he's like, no, I'm bothered because he's with Joe and Joe's my friend. Yeah. And I'm worried about her. And she's like, Joe. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about Joe? And Jake is like, 
tell me exactly, this is what I would say. I'd be like, tell me what he said to you. Like, yeah. what did he say? What did he do that made you get the creeps from him? Yeah. And Jake is like, Amanda, he's a con artist. And then Amanda says, well, that's Joe's business. It's not mine. None of my business, and I'm going to stay out of it. <laughs> the, one, <laughs> the one time Amanda doesn't care about some other bitch's business. Yeah. But she's just mad that Jake cares. Yes. I mean, that's it. So Jane and Sydney have totally made up. They're hugging by the door. And meanwhile, Michael is <laughs> arriving <laughs> arriving home from his night shift. He's literally whistling. He, <laughs> yeah, like, do, 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 do. <laughs> Coming home to my new old wife. <laughs> Because everything's coming up, Michael, right now. He's won. He thinks he's won. Not not for a second does he think Sydney would ever tell on him. This is crazy. Like, yeah. Sydney's as chaotic as Michael is. Right. In some ways, even more, because she doesn't think things through at all. Like, no, yeah. She, she's not as calculating as him. Um, so. <laughs> He stops dead in his tracks when he sees the. Oh. Yeah, he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this was high comedy because <laughs> he's literally comically entering as happy as can he's be. He's like, like he doesn't Woo-hoo. click his heels together, but he might as well have like, oh dodi, oh do, hey, whoa, oh, yeah. it's like. <laughs> His like bow tie pops out and goes back. In. He he's stops. Just like, he stops dead in his tracks. And um, <laughs> it makes like a car screeching to a halt sound. Yeah, like a comically, a comical sound. Um, that's 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 what basically happens here. And as soon as he sees that they've made up, and that uh oh, he knows. Uh oh, he knows. And so Sydney passes by him on her way up to her apartment, and Michael's like, oh. What's going on? Is everything okay, Sid? <laughs> and she says, not for you. <laughs> Did she blow a raspberry? No. She might as well have, though. Because <laughs> it was very child. Yeah. Like- not for you. It was great. And so then he runs, well, as much as he can. Yeah. He scurries over to Jane. And... um Jay, he says, Jay, Jay. He's all innocent. Oh, Jay. Is Sydney okay? Is Sydney okay? What's going on? And she's like, Michael, Sydney told me everything. And then she slaps him again. <laughs> she, oh, she slapped Robert before. But she's, That's right. She's gotten two she's, slaps in. Yeah. Jane's she's getting physical. She slaps Michael. And she's like, I thought you changed, but you're exactly the same, Michael. And he starts begging her. He's like, Jane. I love I'm change. You. Come on. I have change. And I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you from Robert. He's a scumbag. And so then he, Jane grabs Michael's cane and throws it into the pool. This is our this is a a landmark or an important moment in Melrose history <laughs> yes. because this is the first time an object and I'm including human beings has been angrily thrown in the pool. Right? Yeah, the pool is going to get a lot more action <laughs> going forward. The pool becomes um, a, an entire character. The only thing I can remember is remember when Keith put all the lily pads in it? That wasn't Keith. Oh, who was that? That was Sandy's 
Oh, Sandy. That's right. Sandy Stalker. Oh my God. Yeah. There was like the lily pads all in it. Yeah. But that wasn't an angry throwing something in the pool. But it was scary. It was scary. That was the pool's first moment. It shined. Yes. But no, this was funny because this was, this was kind of mean, even for my, even to do to Michael. He needs his cane. <laughs> he needs his cane because he's at the door and he's like, oh, how am I going to get over there? But I, I did laugh because it's like, how the hell is he going to get that out? Right. He's going to go find the nut. He's going to get the nut. <laughs> he hasn't used that nut in he's trying to like a pull long it time. forward. Um, yeah, she tosses that cane in the pool and throws him out. Celia and Allison have a very boring scene together where Allison tells her she liked their article, blah, blah, blah. Nothing really happens no, in this scene. we don't care. Because once again, we've talked about this character. It's like, why? She, the only point that she would be there is to create tension between Allison and Billy as far as like, are they in a relationship? Are they cheating? But they never have no. done anything with that. No, it's crazy. Finally. We get to the beach house again. The Michael be- has to go back finally. The, the beach house is back. He's sadly wheeling his suitcase <laughs> into the beach house, like your fucking beautiful house right on the beach. Literally right on the beach. On the- <laughs> <laughs> um, and he walks in the door and he immediately sees framed pictures of him and Kimberly together. And he's both mad and sad at the same time. He's mad that he lost. Yeah. He's like, I got to go back to the beach house. It's not exactly the worst punishment. No. I got to go back to my beach house <laughs> alone. And it's like, I finally, I noticed too, like, cause we get a really big shot of the living room mm. and it's very, um, it's like very Lichtenstein inspired. Yes. It's like the primary colors. With a black sink. Yeah. Did you, just like did you notice the black sink in the kitchen against the white tile? Yes. It is, was just very funny to me to it, see that wide shot. Oh, I always am looking. I'm always pausing in Michael's beach house because the decor is like... The decor is funny, but it was nice to see like that wide shot because you could see all the elements together finally. Yeah, no, I got a picture of it in here. And it's also up, like almost from a crane shot. Like we're seeing kind of down. We really got a good view. So this is what's going on in Michael's beach house. He's got, he's sitting, he's at the counter. He has a black sink up against the white tiled countertops. And, but some of the tiles are black. Like there's a black stripe of tiles and then in the background, we see what appears to be a leather couch set with like an, a leather, a black leather armchair and yes. ma- matching couch. Um, it's a, and then this very um, postmodern sort of blue carpet rug. It's a rug. It's like an abstract design. It's on an it. abstract design with like a red and a yellow in it. And then he has two very big house plants. He's got a postmodern lamp. I mean, when you look at this, this is the most together decor of anyone on Melrose Place. It's the by most, far. Yes. Like it's like adult. Everyone else is like a mishmash. Even Amanda's is kind of like, you're, you're kind of shocked hers isn't nicer. It's Amanda has nice stuff, but it's definitely a more lived in. Michael you know this was all about status for him as a doctor. Like, I 
I'm a I'm a Los Angeles surgeon. This is high quality show pieces. I have show pieces in my apartment. I have um you know Coke Lord furniture pieces. It's very it's very drug dealer. Um, um but they also probably as a couple have a, the highest income. Yes. on the show. Although it is weird I was thinking about how with Amanda having so much money that she lives in this little fucking apartment. Well, the thing with Amanda is we assume she has a lot of money because of her dad, right? Yeah. But does he really have a lot of cash? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think she grew up rich and I think she has a good job, but I don't know how much money she actually has because she does always seem like she's kind of trying to find more deals and, and kind of business ventures. Right. So maybe she's not as rich as we think. Right. But she definitely grew up with like a pedigree. Totally. Or that like that rich girl, boat girl lifestyle. Yes. Because she was raised on a yacht. Because I think her dad was flush with cash many times throughout her childhood, but then was probably also broke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But they still had to keep up appearances. Yeah. So they lived in nice places. Um, Yeah. Michael's like sad. He's really fucking sad. And he pops up, pops a pill. He pops one of his pills and he says cheers to himself. I always love how addictions begin on soap operas. (laughs) It's always quite clear where it's going, but it kind of takes a while to get there. Yeah, it's like we know. We, we know, know it's where coming. this we know it's coming and we know it's gonna be when that um when this storyline ends, it's gonna end in a completely improbable way. Yes. With the exception I would say with Allison. Allison's alcoholism there are many aspects to Allison's alcoholism that are surprisingly realistic, which is crazy to yeah. me for a show like this. It's not com- entirely but there are right. but there are a lot of moments that are grounded in reality and i cannot wait to talk about that when it comes back yes so michael's big time depressed he's big depressed on the boat reed suddenly has like two potential customers yeah he's like giving them a tour he's giving this couple a tour because they want to get married on the boat not that big of a boat it's not that big <laughs> Um, and Jake shows up and he's, he's real sarcastic with Reed. He's like, wow, look, you got two customers already. Okay. Now I found it a little odd that Reed was immediately a huge asshole to Jake. You did? Because they haven't had any interactions really. Right. But he probably knows that that's Joe's ex-boyfriend. I guess, but he immediately was like a dick to him. He was. I and think it just seemed like he's not even, that's why I feel like he's a bad con man because he, he's not trying to snow people enough. Yeah. It's like he clocked that Jake had clocked him and he, he became really defensive. Instead of trying to win him over. Yeah, because he's not smooth. Well, because it's like that would be an opportunity for you to be like, hey, I know you're a mechanic too. Do you want to check out this? Like something. Yeah. But he's immediately like a huge dick to Jake. Right. He's like, they're not my investors. They're my my new customers. And they want to get married on this boat. And um, Jake's like, oh, you got quite a little operation going on here. He's like, it's not an operation. It's a boat. It's a business. It's a business. 
Um, and he's like, why'd you come down here anyway? And he's like, I just wanted to see what all the hoopla was about. I mean, Jake is also being a little obvious, (laughs) (laughs) but initially I don't feel like it was obvious for him to, to be a dick. Yeah. At Escapade Magazine, their boss, I forget her name. I'm just always going to think about how she did sexual harassment in the workplace against Billy in the first season. And she's still there. And she's still employed, and that's never been brought up again. Um, She's like, great job on the article, you two. You should live together full time. I don't get why they're always working together on articles. They're like a little reporter team. <laughs> like what, what is that? It's so stupid. Well, we learn that both Billy and Celia are up for junior editor. And they're the big guys upstairs are going to pick one of them to be the junior editor. They have to do a test, each do a test article. Yeah. She's like, get to work. And they get, get on their big chunky laptops. If I was like in a position like this, I'd be like, no, you can have it. Yeah. I'm not competing that way. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like, make your decision. I'm not doing a fucking test. Yeah. I find it disgusting. (laughs) I really, it irritated me. It was like, she treated them like two little gophers. She's like, here's your test. Go for it. Have it done by tomorrow. One of you will win and one of you will lose. Like, it's just fucked up. I'm like really mad about this. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know how this stuff works at offices. I feel like that might be what you do, but you don't tell the people. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, like here's your assignment. Yes, and you kind of were like, let's see what they do, and then we'll base it. But you don't tell them their direct competition to each other. In front of their faces. Yeah. Um, totally. That night, Jane is drawing her designs. She's sketching some designs mm. out, and there's a knock at the door. It's Sydney with popcorn, and she's like, let's watch The Parent Trap. Aw. And Jane is really into this idea, so she lets Sydney in, and the phone rings, and it's Michael, mm. and he is fucked up on pills. He's slurring. He's like, "Hi, Jane. I love you, Jane." Mm. And she's like, "Michael, have you been drinking?" I'm not drunk. I'm on pills. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I'm hurting real bad, Jane. I'm really hurting." I'm hurting hurting real bad, Jane. I need your help. I need you, Jane. (laughs) And she hangs up on him. I was proud of her. I was really proud of her. I also thought it was hilarious that we then cut to Sydney in Jane's bedroom on the other phone because she's been listening into the conversation and she also hangs up when Jane hangs up and she smiles. Yeah. I... That gave me flashbacks. Do you remember eavesdropping on people's calls? Of course. And trying to lift the receiver up so quietly. You got to lift it up without hitting anything. You have to like touch the button first. You got to touch. Then the- you lift the receiver and then you slowly <laughs> remove you know what I'm your talking finger. About? Yes. It's like the Indiana Jones rock. <laughs> like you had to do it so it doesn't make a loud click. Oh my God. Yeah. We did it all the time as kids. It was it so is, fucking fun. It is such a diabolical practice that absolutely. every kid who lived in the 90s did. Yes, Ugh, absolutely. Terrible. Uh, on the boat, we see Reed like rigging a bomb. To a <laughs> so I was like, I was like, this is really suspicious. What it, he's like installing a bomb and like doing it really roughly too. On, on, on the back of a trap door. Yeah. It was bizarre. 
So I don't know. We don't know what this thing is, but it it's some kind of shady electronic that he's installing. Because he's put in. You know, it's bad when you put the rug over it he afterwards. Put- <laughs> <laughs> like that's like no one can see this. Yeah, it's like on the underside of a trap door, and then he closes the trap door and puts a rug over. So that's he's up to no good. He's up to something. And then Joe comes over and she's brought a huge picnic basket. She's like, here's a piece of, oh my God, melon. (laughs) Sorry, that was my cat. Jumped on the table. Joe comes over bringing a big old picnic basket and she's like, peace offering. Where does she even get that basket? (laughs) It's just like that she had that. She stopped at Pier 1 (laughs) on the way over and... um. They start kissing, and she's like, I trust you, Reed. I'm so sorry I was a jerk. I've just been second-guessing myself lately. You should be. You. This is the <laughs> time to be paranoid. This is not the time to not be paranoid, Joe. Mm. Your cynicism is well-placed here. Please. Please bring it back. And, and your black turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when she started wearing funky uh, vests and jackets. Yeah, totally. At Jeffrey's, Matt is looking for the salad tong so he can <laughs> so he can toss Jeffrey's salad. Uh, He's like, they're like, here, we'll give him this. That's yeah. what the writer said. We'll we'll imply that Matt's gonna toss Jeffrey's salad right now. That's all yeah. you get. No kissing. Yeah. Most of the people won't know it's it's an inside thing. The gays will know. <laughs> the gays will give us a nice little pat on the back. <laughs> Matt's looking for these salad dogs. <laughs> and he sees, um, and then he spies a phone in Jeffrey's a- apartment. And he's like, oh, you you installed a phone. So you have a phone now. And Jeffrey's like, yeah, but it's not hooked up. And then it starts ringing. And Jeffrey's like, oh, I guess it is hooked up. They must have came in when I was at work. Now, didn't this look like it was Robert's apartment building? Because when we go to Jeffrey's, we see that really long staircase. Yes. I was like, they just went filmed it at the same building. Look, <laughs> everyone on Melrose lives in the same places as, as each other. Yes. They were going to do a spinoff, Robert's building. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yes. Um, so it's, it's kind of scary when the phone rings. It is. And Matt immediately gets up. See, Matt's... Matt's, uh, he knows what's up. He trusts his um, fear he when he feels it. his gut. Yeah. Because Matt's the only emotionally honest person on this show, even though he's a doormat. Well, and he's also like, st- you're playing games with me, right? Yeah. He knows there's some lie. Whatever the reason, he knows that Jeffrey is lying to him about something. Yeah, Matt's not afraid to call out weird behavior. He, yeah, he gets up. He's like, maybe this was a bad idea. And Jeffrey's like, no, I can explain. He's like, I don't want to play games. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. Are you married? Like, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. And so Jeffrey takes him to his bedroom and he's like, this is what's going on. I'm an, I'm a lieutenant in the Navy. Here's my uniform. Now, this is very topical. Yes. Because Clinton was just elected and it was the new policy, don't ask, don't tell. Right. Which is like 
bullshit. Right? It is bullshit. It's total bullshit. And at the time, it was framed as a sort of progress was being made. Right, because you weren't allowed to be gay in the military. Right. Uh, and then this was like, you can be, but don't talk about it, and we won't ask you if you are. So yeah. it was, it was uh, weird. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So they talk about don't ask, don't tell. Because Matt says, well, yeah, what about... Don't ask, don't tell. You can be you can, you can be technically be gay in the military now. And he's like, well, it's not about that. It's about the fact that my dad is a retired vice admiral, and that my parents don't know I'm gay, and like that's the real problem is coming out to my parents. So if I come out at work, but he he can't be gay in the army or the the military. Right. He can't if it come came out. out, it would be bad for him. Right. Yeah. But they won't ask him. Exactly. They just won't ask him. They won't ask about it. But yeah, if it was sort of found out, it would be bad for him. Right. But yeah, it's it's two things, the um, job and the family. It's the job and the family. So he's like, I need to keep the secret to keep my job and my family. Matt's like, oh boy. But we know Matt is going to feel for him. Of course. And he's going <laughs> to... See, now Matt is like, he's going to try and fix this. Absolutely. That night on the boat, Reed wakes up, Joe's asleep next to him, and he hears a noise, and he grabs a shotgun, and this is the first we see that he has a shotgun. Yeah. He just whips it out from under the bed. Big, yeah. Big old rifle. Big old rifle. He goes out, on the, out onto the deck looking for who's making noise, and it's a cat. I loved it. Mm. Big I'm, orange fat cat. Wanted to see more of the cat. I know. I was like, he's, he's on to Reed, too. Yeah. <laughs> He knows something. The up. cat knows. Why don't you, Joe? The cat's like, this isn't your boat. <laughs> At the courthouse, Jane is there to support Sydney. And the prosecutor is a real bitch. This she lady, has it in for Sydney. This lady is um anti-woman. She's anti-sex worker. I don't like this woman. She's telling she thinks Sydney needs to be locked up for 60 days. For what? Yeah. Um, and the judge is like, little girl to Sydney. He's like, why don't you get up here and tell your story? And Sydney does a very good job at telling her story. She says, you might have heard of her name in the papers, Lauren, such and such. She like names and shames her ex-madam. I, I was kind of cringing when she did that only because I was like, Sydney, don't fucking get in trouble. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. have to name names. Tell why your story without that. ratting her out? And it was kind of like, also, it's like, well, what did we miss the whole Lauren arrest that she was in the papers? Like, what's that story? I feel like it was a nod to Heidi Fleiss. Totally. Because Heidi Fleiss was in the papers before she was arrested. Now, this is also interesting because I was like, what kind of courtroom proceeding is this where Sydney gets to do a dramatic monologue? Yeah. <laughs> Like, usually you have to be on the stand and sworn in. And she's basically just standing up giving her little speech. Yeah. And it's the judge is so moved by it. He's, he's a fucking ginger fan. He's, he's a, into it. He's a fan of Sydney's. And he also recognizes what the cops did was uh, illegal. They entrapped her. Yeah. So he's like, well, this was clearly entrapment. So case dismissed. And the prosecutor's like, oh, she, <laughs> she's furious. She's going to be a big old bitch. Yeah. She's going to go not fuck her husband that she's night. She's going to not fuck her husband and be a big old bitch at home later. Mm. 
at Escapade Magazine, Billy learns that he got the promotion. He's going to be hired as the new junior editor. And his boss drops the news on him that the job starts immediately. He's like, great, I'll start whenever. And she's like, great. Well, it's also in New York. And he goes, New York City? What am I going to tell Allison? (laughs) Why would they not tell these two that the job was in New York City? That's crazy. You don't do that. Because <laughs> obviously people would have been like, well, Cecilia, you go. Because we need you out of here. Your storyline's boring. Billy's not going to New York City. Like, I, I would love to see an in-depth like BuzzFeed news reports. Like These employees talk, these 10 employees, former employees of Escapade Magazine talk about the, the hellish conditions of working there. <laughs> Seriously. And the shady practices behind closed doors. They're just like doing all this, like, let's tell them they're both up for the job and give them these articles that they have to edit. And we won't tell them it's New York. It's just like, they're just putting them through the ringer for their own fucking fun and games. This magazine is Working at this magazine is like the America's Next Top Model of magazine jobs. Yes. And it seems glamorous. It seems, but your boss is going to sexually harass you and nothing's ever going to happen to her. You're, we're going to encourage that you live with your coworker. Yeah. And you guys are always put in a com- competitive you know, relationship from the, from the moment she's hired. And you only work with each other. Yeah. And sometimes you have to write about dogs' birthday parties. Yeah. And then they write about dogs' birthday parties, and then this article was the homeless crisis. I was like, I wouldn't want Billy writing that kind of article. I'm sorry. Dog birthday party, fine. This is how Billy starts an article about the homeless crisis in Los Angeles. There's something kind of sad going on in Los Angeles. (laughs) When you walk around the streets, (laughs) you might notice somebody. But did you ever ask what's happening and then he ends every article with, see ya, this is Billy on the street. <laughs> <laughs> He's the original Billy on He's the street. He's the original Billy on the street. See ya. This, He's, is Billy, this has been Billy Campbell on the street. <laughs> pounding the pavement. Pounding the pavement, doing some real shoe leather reporting. Shoe <laughs> leather. <laughs> Oh my god! Why? Why is he writing about the homeless crisis? They should, He's a is, fucking moron. That's journalistic malpractice. To yes. Get Billy Campbell on that. Also, I'm sorry. Escapade Magazine is not doing exposés on the homeless crisis. What even is this magazine? <laughs> I don't know. But what? the name Escapade doesn't sound like very serious stuff is happening. It sounds like a a budget GQ. Yeah, it sounds like lifestyle, right? Yeah. Or like travel and fun and lifestyle and restaurants. You're not yes. doing, or like the dog birthday parties, like right. social whatever. Social events. Um, They're not doing in-depth reporting. They're not winning Pulitzers. No. <laughs> Billy is not going to be nominated for a Pulitzer for this article. <laughs> By it's the crazy. way, their article looked like it was typed up in Comic Sans. Did you notice the font it was like really weird? It looked like a book weird. report you would hand <laughs> yeah. in to school. It looked like a, because the title of it <laughs> was title, super like, title, The title. Homeless Crisis. It's like, this is not professional looked, at all. It looked like an eighth grade book report. The font and the title was like 24 point. <laughs> and then the rest of the article was typed in like 18. And, and the title was underlined. Yes. So you picture Billy had to press that button <laughs> to, to underline it. Here's the other thing. I get like 
Allison, can you read this? But why is she editing it? So it's like, that's the editor's job. Why would yeah. you have Allison edit it? Because they might have a completely different point of view or what they wanted to say. I just think they wanted her notes. Like, is it good enough to turn in? Yeah, but she seems like she did way more because remember she has the combo with Cecilia or Cecilia? Yeah. Where she's like, wow, these are awesome. It just was like, I don't know. What this is whole storyline is stupid. And I hate this magazine and I cannot wait till Cecilia, I'm guessing, goes to New York and we can leave Escapade. Is that, I hope that burns down. such a pointless character in a show where every character has like a sp- very specific sinister motive or is used for someone else's specific sinister motive. Yeah. It's so like- <laughs> it just, that's why it's, she's so bizarre of a Cause character. we're always trying to put things there, making it more interesting and it never happens. And it's just like, just put Billy at D and D already. Right. We don't want more we jobs. We want Billy at D and D. Spoiler alert. We just Spoiler don't, alert. we don't want like more jobs to go to. I don't care about these people's fucking jobs. There's <laughs> never anything interesting happening at this magazine. The only interesting thing that happened there already happened and the bitch never had any consequences for it. I do like Melrose Place though because whenever we don't like a job, like the bike shop, it just blows up. Yeah. Like things just go away. They do. In an explosive way usually. The writers of Melrose Place really did know what the people wanted. Like we are just splitting hairs here. At the end of the day, like this is so small potatoes because Melrose Place is just chock full of action all the time. Right. And they're like, let's get rid of it. They Send do. them to New York. Blow it up. Blow it up. We don't fucking care. The magazine folded. Billy's now at D&D. Uh, inexplicably. Inexplicably, he's an ad exec now. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. Did we he do go not to college? Care. I think he did go to college, but not for business. No, he went for creative writing. Right. <laughs> That's also unbelievable. But it's kind of like, no, Billy... We don't care what Billy does. No. It's just as unbelievable that he's at D&D as it is that he's at Escapade. Right. <laughs> no, no one believes Billy would be hired anywhere. It is kind of funny when he goes to D&D because you can see like his dream has just been crushed and he's like officially not in the game of like... He's in the rat race. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's not doing anything cre- really like what he wants to do anymore. Or his no. like big dream because he was like, I'm going to be the next Hemingway. We all knew that wasn't. Well, I know we, (laughs) but he thought it was. He really, but the dream dies. I do kind of miss those sequences where he had those like, yeah, fantasy sequences. But it was him writing his story. Yeah, it was him as a detective, or he'd write a really bad screenplay. Yeah, I mean that stuff was funny. It was funny. I, Um, I I would love to have more scenes of people reading his stuff and being mean to him. If Melrose Place was on today, Billy would be a podcaster. Like he or he would have a podcast. Oh. Yes, or he'd be also maybe an open micer or trying to do comedy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awful. Uh, and and also have the podcast, but like he all would, of those go he'd together. He'd definitely have a podcast that would be way too... The podcast would be like too high concept and no one would... like, But not... It just wouldn't be good. He'd also be like a real online movie guy. Yes, he'd be part of film Twitter. And he'd have like, he'd be really into his Letterboxd account. Yes, and he'd try to be funny. He'd try to be funny on Letterboxd, but also take it very seriously. Yes. No, Billy can't exist in these days. (laughs) I'd like to see it though. I'd like to see all of them today. Oh, totally. Um, Anyway, we'll be back next week for episodes 19 and 20. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.